Hello and welcome to the SEO SAS podcast. Your hosts are Sarah McDowell, myself. I am a SEO specialist at LikeMind Media and we've also got the wonderful Hannah Bryce who is SEO manager at Gymshark. We call ourselves SEO SAS because we are exactly that. We are your special answering service when it comes to SEO. We are nerds on the subject and we love talking, reading, learning as much as we can about the subject so then we can bring that to you and answer questions and topics. And sometimes we even get guests, which is really exciting. So yes, we hope you enjoy the show. This show is brought to you by the team at LikeMind Media. Like My Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content, or even podcasts, just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like you. Thanks, Hannah. So just as a disclaimer, this episode, we unfortunately don't have the wonderful Hannah Bryce because like I always say, life gets in the way and whilst we'd love to do podcasts all the time, we have to have paying jobs that pay the bills and other things pop up as well. Um, But do not fret because you're not left with just myself because I am very lucky that I have a guest with me. So I have managed to persuade the lovely Stevie Howard who is an SEO and content freelancer at My Marketing Sense and she's come on the podcast to discuss SEO, content and user experience. Hello and welcome to the show Stevie Howard. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much for agreeing to be on the podcast. How how are we doing? Good, good. It's another cold one here in the Midwest in the US, but hopefully we're going to be getting some a little bit of warmer weather here soon. Have you been uh, hit by a load of snow? Are you dealing with that at the moment? Yes. Well, we just got hit last uh, last night, but uh, last week we actually had a lot. So yeah, it's definitely coming in. Oh, well, we keep being threatened by the that we're going to get snow, but it hasn't quite happened yet. So and I, I quite like snow, it can make things look pretty. But at the same time, it can cause a bit of mayhem, can't it depending how much you get of it? Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, so I think a good place to begin or start with the podcast is to let you introduce yourself and tell our audience and tell our listeners how you got into the world of SEO and digital marketing. So a brief overview. Right. So my introduction into SEO and marketing in general was kind of unique because I started out in a social media internship and I was gung-ho on social media was going to be my thing. That was where where I was going to go and what I was going to focus on. And then one of the first agencies that I worked with needed help in the SEO department. They only had one person, so they needed an extra hand. And because of my uh, writing capabilities and everything like that, they were like, come on, (laughs) just join us. Let's see what happens. And uh, so I kind of learned uh, most of my SEO stuff from uh, the mentor that I had, uh, the leader of the department. And I kind of never looked back and I just expanded on my SEO knowledge and kind of dove right into the industry. So it's, it was 
definitely not where I thought I would be, but I'm really happy where I ended up. Do you miss social? Uh, yes and no. I, I miss it for the creativity aspect, right? Like you can do so many things with different brandings and what's trending and everything like that. But at the same time, just from what I've seen, as far as like me paying attention to kind of what's happening in, in there in the space, it's quite different. Like it's getting to the point where it's so difficult now to know what to post on social, what's going to be okay, what's not going to be okay, what's going to go with the certain algorithms and especially places like Facebook. It's just getting harder to actually mm. reach people, especially organically. So I'm kind of like, you know what, I'll just stay over here <laughs> and deal with what I know. <laughs> I do. I do think that there's a bit of similarity there with social and SEO in the sense of like how noisy it is and how like because with SEO there's so much content out there so you've got to find a way of how you can make your content stand out and it's the same with social isn't it brands are all over social media now and you've got the same thing so I think there is a bit of similarity there between the two sort of between SEO and social and that there's always the challenge to stand out or make yourself be heard. Yeah I definitely agree I think that social is a little bit more difficult just because you also have the, you know, the time factor or testing how how often you post and everything like that. And it definitely, uh, there's just so many different aspects in it now. It's crazy. So kudos to whoever is in <laughs> social media marketing. <laughs> I feel, I feel you. I feel you. Okay. So just before we sort of get into SEO questions and talking all that lovely jazz I want to get to know you Stevie so how do you feel about a quick fire round of a few questions oh absolutely let's do it (laughs) okay let's get to know you and here just answer don't think whatever comes into your mouth just say it and we'll see what happens sounds good (laughs) okay starting off tea or coffee tea starter or pudding pudding Hrefs or Semrush? Semrush. Beach or city? Beach. Night owl or early bird? Definitely night owl. Google or Bing? Google. Cat or dog? Cats. Beer or wine? Probably wine. Red rosé or white on that front? Probably the red rosé. I like it a little bit fruity. Okay. Stevie is fruity people. (laughs) Twitter or LinkedIn? Twitter. Screaming frog or deep crawl? Deep crawl. Cool. It is interesting. Some of your answers were interesting there. So, I mean, I completely agree with the night owl or early bird. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I I struggle getting up in the mornings. I don't know about yourself. Um, (laughs) And I am definitely more of the wine than the beer. So, but it's interesting that you said Twitter over LinkedIn. I just think that, and, and maybe it's more of a just personal experience type thing, but I have had so much more luck connecting and networking and just reaching out to people and kind of learning more about the industry on Twitter than I have LinkedIn. I just find it especially if you use it correctly and you post a lot and everything. I just find Twitter so much more valuable. I think that LinkedIn has its place, 
especially for like local networking Mm. or looking for jobs, obviously things like that. But I just have had so much luck with Twitter and reaching out to people and becoming friends or at least connecting with, you know, leaders in the industry. And it's been such an amazing journey ever since I started like literally just a couple years ago I do believe that there's a really good SEO community on Twitter and like you say it's when so for example when we first set up the podcast and we decided to do the okay we haven't got time to do all the social media platforms let's pick one so we decided to pick Twitter and that was because we thought that the SEO community or it just felt right to start with Twitter and then branch out because yeah I agree on the front of like every time I've got a question or getting involved in conversations or like connecting with people definitely we've had success in Twitter so definitely definitely agree yeah so you was am I right in thinking that you took a leap into the freelancing world around October last year a little bit more like a little toe dip Um, (laughs) I I do still work but hope my goal is to be 100% freelance I just I I I really like security (laughs) I like job security and I hate you know what's gonna happen so I'm kind of taking it slowly but I have kind of ventured into the freelance world and I've taken on a couple clients and it's it's definitely been a journey so far it's been great well what I'd really love to know then is sort of your challenges what you've learned best bits versus worst bits about being a freelancer I would have to say that it's been really interesting just because a lot of what I've learned has actually been mostly about myself like when you put yourself out there and you're actually you know trying to get people to hire you and everything like that it definitely shows you more of your personality than you kind of realize. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely have just kind of come to learn, you know, the type of workload that I'm able to handle and exactly kind of what I want to do as far as helping people and businesses and what I want to deal with and what I don't want to deal with, (laughs) things like that. Um, But I think that one of it, it's interesting because I'm smack dab in the middle of the US, right? So I'm in one of the biggest cities in the Midwest, but everything around me is nothing. It's farmland. Like if you go literally 45 minutes out of town, it's just farmland and prairie and that's it. So it's really interesting because I am so being from an agency background, I'm so used to working with people who know rough SEO or at least the basic knowledge of SEO and they know what they need in marketing. They just want somebody to do it. Mm. And here it's the almost the exact opposite. They, it's really a learning curve and there's a lot of education that goes into it. And that's kind of been one of my challenges of people are so stuck on what they think Google wants or, you know, what it was five, seven years ago that you're kind of having to reteach what it actually is now and what's actually happening and what you have to do. And it's, it's really, it's nice because it means that I get to kind of flex my own knowledge, but it's definitely challenging because sometimes you'll get people who just don't believe you. And it's really, it's really interesting. And they're like, no, that's not what I've experienced. And I'm just like, well, 
I'm just trying to help. (laughs) Uh, That must be frustrating, especially if like you've got the data or you know something and and you just want to help. But I think some people can be a bit stubborn, can't they? Or sometimes they, because something's worked in a certain way previously, they think that that's going to be the same. But Google, oh my gosh, like it's changed a lot in the last like two years, let alone five to seven. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Google are always changing the goalposts. Google are always, always working on how they can better themselves as a search engine and how they can also, also, how, sorry, how they can always be given the best answer and it's all about intent and user experience so I think it's quite, I don't know, it's scary not opening your mind up to that, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's definitely just when you get into the smaller businesses and they just aren't understanding why things aren't working anymore. And you, I've had to tell people like, well, if you really want this to work, we're going to have to change like almost your entire site. You know, you, these things that you used to do and just, you know, especially keyword spamming. And that's a huge one that I have to deal with of having all of these different types of keywords everywhere on the page. It just doesn't work anymore. Um, And it's, not going to get the results that you want. And it's just really frustrating. Yes, but also kind of fun and just again, interesting to be like, I have to reteach all of this, but yeah. it's, it's really cool to kind of, especially when you get people who are open-minded yeah. and who are kind of realizing what's going on and they get excited about all the changes that have to happen. So, And I suppose that's yeah. a really good bit about your job is getting people excited or once you've got someone bought on to an idea or you've got that, you've got their way around of thinking to yours, then you can work really, really well together and the opportunities are really good. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay, so I did some research about you before um, interviewing you. You know, I am a professional podcast host at the end of the day. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so I was just going through your website and uh, going through your blog section. And I came across a really awesome blog all about featured snippets. And I just thought that, especially because at that time, Google had announced that they did a recent update to their featured snippets. So just before we delve into this, for those who don't know what a feature snippet is, the best way of explaining it is it's like your position zero. So you are you you get content before ads and organic position one and it's normally a a short paragraph a a table a bullet point list but it's basically feature snippets are uh, google's way of answering a user's query so depending on the topic or the query or whatever they put in the search bar it's what they present in that feature snippet box is that would you agree that's the best way of explaining that yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so with the recent update, um, Google have decided to work on deduplication. So before this update, you could, in effect, get listed twice. So if you had a feature snippet, you'd be at the box, the answer box at the top, and you'd also be somewhere on that first page. But now, yes, you are, they've decided to go away with that. So if you are in a feature snippet you won't appear on the first page anymore what what are your thoughts about that like why do you think google has done that again i think that it's kind of just going back to the whole reason that google does 
well, hopefully anything uh, with their platform. And that's just user experience um, as far as providing the best results. I know that, well, obviously I'm going to have to update that blog a little bit, (laughs) but I know that when it first, the update kind of rolled out that everybody was kind of freaking out like the SEO industry kind of does <laughs> um, before kind of absorbing what it meant. Uh, just Definitely. thinking of, oh, this is just another thing that Google's doing to make it more difficult to get on the page and everything like that. But at the same time, I think that it's making it more difficult in a good way. Uh, just because, I mean, in the past, I've seen featured snippet this is the result. And then right under that is the very same result. And that's not really helpful, really, Mm. because both of those are the same thing. They're both clickable. You can, if you are really interested, you can go into each of them and see what it is. And it leads you to the same exact place. So instead of doing that, Google's taking away one of them and is providing somebody else, a different company, to be able to kind of scooch up there and Hmm. land on the first page. And I think that that's a good thing, just as far as making sure, I mean, as I'm sure you know, what, 93 plus percent of people don't go past the first page. So you want to make sure that that first page has all of the best answers you can provide as a search engine. And that's kind of what they're doing. And I, so I don't really see it as a bad thing. I see it as an opportunity for companies to be like, okay, I can't get the feature snippet, but But I can still get number one or number two. You know what I mean? That's a really positive way of thinking of it, isn't it? So like, if you've got a feature snippet, you, you've you got that goal. You've got the that, that position where most people are going to see first. So why not open it up to another, another company or brand that has worked hard on creating a piece of content that answers the user's intent? So I think that's a really nice way of thinking about it. And rather than thinking, oh, it's like doom and gloom, I've got one less listing, think of it as you're giving someone else an opportunity, which if it's a competitor, makes I, I don't know. Maybe it's a bit hard to think of about 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 that, but I don't know. Yeah, I suppose it's all about Google um, giving opportunities and having a space where they can provide as many good answers as possible. Really, isn't it? Right. Exactly. So within your blog, you highlight that to be successful with a feature snippet, and it is hard. They are they are tricky things, aren't they? <laughs> um, but yes. but you say to help with your success of getting a featured snippet that um, content markup and keywords are sort of the key areas that you need to be like thinking about so can you give us a quick tip for each one of those yeah I think that they all kind of go together in a way that you you can't if you're going to be successful you have to have all three and they kind of it's almost like a priority list right so keyword First of all, you need to know what topics, what keywords, um, what focus areas you want the page or the article to be about. So obviously, you know, do research, look to see what your audience is actually searching for, things like Google Trends or Google Ad Planner keywords uh, tools are really great for that, or even things like SEMrush that show you what you're currently ranking for. You can go in there and see what pages, but just make sure that you're doing research and know 
what this page or article should be kind of focused on. And then make sure that that keyword is within the content. Um, again, not spamming. <laughs> like I already said before, that's a huge thing. But just make sure that it's in there a couple times and make sure that you're also doing related keywords. Because oftentimes you'll want one keyword, but for whatever reason, Google will actually think that it's more relevant to this other keyword. And so you won't rank, but if you have that other relevant keyword in there, then you're more likely to show up. Um, so then that kind of goes into the content, right? You have to have really great content, not just well-written content, but informative, educational, meaningful content. And then how you kind of structure that also really matters. So adding in those images, those videos, the bulleted lists, things like that, that kind of make it more interesting and make the content more easily absorbed are really key, especially things like lists. That's one of the most popular um, kind of featured snippet types. And so if you just have, you know, a quick summary of this is how you wash a car and you lay out the steps by steps and then later on get into more detail, that list that you have is more likely going to be pulled by Google because it sees that as a nice summary to the question of how do I wash a car? And so you just have to realize that it's not just about the content that you provide, but how you decide to present it to your audience. And I think that that's something that a lot of people forget about. So then the last one markup, I think that a lot of people forget that Google is a robot. And so it only can read what you tell it to, right? It doesn't, it's not this crazy magical thing that knows exactly what your intent is and what you want to accomplish. You have to kind of spell it out. Mm. And so that's kind of what markup does is as Google's just reading your page, reading the article, you have this markup in there that says, hey, pay attention to this video because it's important or pay attention to this image. Or again, this list, you can even put markup there that so Google will know to kind of grab certain aspects and kind of make sure that it knows this is what's important and this is what I want my audience to know about. Um, mm. So you really have to kind of marry all three because I don't, I don't think that you could really be totally successful with only having one or two things. You really have to have all of them together to work well. Mm, yes. And, and the, the big thing to think about with markup is a big part of SEO is accessibility. And yes. like you say, and it's a really good way of thinking about it. Google is a robot at the end of the day. You need to help it along and you need, when it's coming across your page and indexing and crawling it, you need to make it easy and you need to make it easy for them to understand what is what. So things like markup and, and things like that really help that. And if you're helping Google understand what a page is about, then your chances of getting that feature snippet or ranking better are going to be increased. Yep, exactly. There we go. Okay, so when we were talking about you coming onto the podcast, you sort of said about the the importance of marrying SEO content and user experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yes, like, yeah, and I could not agree more. Those three elements are very, very important if you want to be successful with SEO overall so first question for you is whilst they are different elements can you talk to us about how they can work to 
accomplish the same thing? Yeah. I, if you think about it, SEO content and UX is all about the intent of the person, right? And that's, I think that that, at least for me, is one of the places where I find most businesses kind of lose themselves. They get so wrapped up in what Google wants or what's trendy at the time or anything like that. They kind of forget what their audience is really looking and asking for. And when you kind of step away and look at these three things, that's what they all are trying to do. SEO is about optimizing for your user to be able to find this piece of content or anything on Google being other search engines. And content is this information that is important and vital and and possibly entertaining, educational to your audience. They want to absorb this or they might need to and not realize that they need to, things like that. Mm. And then UX is user experience. So making sure that your site and the content that you're putting out there is kind of like you said, easily accessible, not only to Google, but to the audience itself. So easy to understand, easy to absorb, very knowledgeable, and kind of have that authoritative presence, if you will. Mm. So I, I really think that when, when it comes down to it, all three of these things, although, like you said, very different, really focus on the user. And it's so important to remember that. And I think that it's oftentimes forgotten. Yeah. And you should, when it comes to SEO, you should always, whatever you're doing, think about the end user. So write for the end user or when someone's on your website, think of the user journey or think of what people are going to think about or how they're going to come across your content or the layout of your page. But then you've just got to optimize it for for the bots for Google so that's like the second step but always always I think some people forget about users don't they and they're more focused on Google that they they forget that user experience is is key right Um, and it's really interesting because at the end of the day if your content isn't set up for users very well, then Google is most likely going to ignore you. So yes. they're kind of yeah. biting themselves in the butt with I, that. I, I read somewhere that um, Google is intelligent. So say you're, you've got a page that is ranking well for a key phrase or term or what have you. If Google sort of realizes that user's behavior has a trend of once they click they like they're not sticking around they bounce off and they're looking elsewhere google will cotton on to that yeah and 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 yeah and and because google at the end of the day google has customers the customers are the end the users so google wants to make sure that like customer experience for them is is up there and it's better than its competitors and stuff so so yes do you think that there's any challenges that that, well have there been any challenges that you've come across when you've tried to marry all three um I think that it can be challenging as far as the content and SEO or more specifically keywords kind of go. And that's just something that I've kind of seen with a few clients that I've worked with in the past is that they have this content that they want to provide 
and they think that it's important, but it's not actually something that exists, if that makes sense. So let me kind of, I'll break it down a little bit. So I have had quite often where I will get a client and they will have the blog, everything, the whole shebang, and you know, everything's really well written and everything's fine. But when you get down to it and you ask them, well, what are you writing this for? Or what topics are you trying to cover? What questions are you trying to answer? They just completely are deer in the headlights. They have no idea. And then so you get in there and, you know, I start doing the research of, okay, what is this page rank or what is this article ranking for? What are people searching for? And you find out that they're writing these articles for topics that nobody is interested in at all. And it's really interesting because they think that if they just put well-written or educational content out there, that they'll be fine. Hmm. But that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to have a plan. You have to have some sort of strategy of, um, these are the questions we're going to answer. These are the topics that we want to cover. These are the areas of information that we want to make sure to include based off of our audiences. And they kind of miss that step of marrying content and that SEO slash keyword aspect of things. And it's really interesting. Mm, yes, because I suppose with some businesses might think, oh gosh, I've got I've got this blog and I know that Google likes fresh and updated content. So they just focus on that and they focus on getting the content out there. And you're right, and it they will miss big opportunities of okay, well before I just go ahead and start writing, let's just do a bit of research and find out what people are wanting to know about and searching for it's just a missed opportunity isn't it yeah exactly awesome okay so staying on the topic of content which how important would you say writing for your audience is when it comes to seo probably the most important thing i have always i've said to many clients in the past if you're doing writing or SEO or anything for Google, you're doing it wrong. It, that's just not, it's not how it's going to work. <laughs> I just, I think that even if, even if your SEO is not on, you know, on par with some of the other crazy companies, you know, maybe you don't have very good markup or you're not uh, even worried about it and you're just writing really good content. I still think that even that, uh, and then just a couple of basic, you know, meta tags and everything like that would perform really well because that at the end of the day, kind of what we've hit on is what matters. It's writing for your audience and just kind of making sure that they can see it. So if you have at least the basics of that, you're going to perform well. And if you, even if you have great SEO, if you just have kind of random topics or, you know, really short articles that don't really provide much information, mm. then your audience is going to just walk away. They're not going to be interested in you. So I definitely think that at the end of the day, writing for your audience and focusing on that content that they want is the most important aspect and what's uh, what's eventually especially as google comes out with 
more algorithm updates and they have their language processing systems now mm. and everything like that, that is going to be what matters. Okay, so say then um, someone understands the importance of so everything that we've sort of talked about so far. So they understand why marrying SEO content, user experience, writing with your audience in mind. Say say they've got that and that, that's a tick in the box. How, how would you advise someone to go about building a presence? Probably being consistent. I think that that is such an important aspect that people kind of overlook. And what I mean by that is in order to build a presence, you have to actually be there, right? Especially as humans, we very much, you know, our routine, right? We get up, we do things, we go to work, we pick up kids, everything like that. And so people come to expect certain things from businesses and brands and everything like that. And so if you really want to grow and kind of create this brand authority, presence, whatever you want to call it, you have to actually immerse yourself into where people are. So beyond SEO, get on social, have email blasts that go out regularly, do put in the work to actually be present because as soon as you're not, people are going to drop you. They're going to forget that you even exist. Mm. So you have to you have to push yourself out there. You have to be posting, you have to be sharing things and you have to be not even just that, but you have to be talking. You have to be creating this dialogue with your audience. Uh, It's something that has just kind of continued to grow of the more you engage as a brand or a business, the more people are going to engage with you. And that will ultimately, ultimately build up the presence and Mm. the authority and everything like that that you're trying to create because I suppose then because because if you if you're not present and if you're not taking the time to like keep the relationship up with your audience and your clients then what's stopping your competitor doing that do you know do you know what I mean like swooping in and take and taking that audience and them being the ones that are updating them I suppose presence is something that you can sort of control so one thing that you can't control is what your competitors are doing um that's always one thing that you've got to sort of keep an eye on is what your competitors are doing and like you might be ranking well or getting good traffic but fluctuations happen um so you can't control that but what you can control is how much your audience and your customers are seeing of you and how much you remark how much you are reminding them, hi, don't forget about us. We're here to help. We're your people to go to if you've got a question or query. I suppose this actually reminds me, I went to a marketing conference last year, actually a marketing conference that the company that I work for run and one of the talks, the guy, one of the guys said, aim to be the Wikipedia of your industry. Yes. And I think that's, that, that quite relates to what we're talking about here. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, so if you're aiming to be the Wikipedia of your industry and you're aiming to always be in front of your audience and customers, then you've got that bit of control then, haven't you? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay, so one more a couple more questions and then cuz time is flying. I don't know about you, but um <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that time, yeah, we're there already. But yeah, so two more, two, three more questions and then it'll be feature time because obviously an SEO, SAS podcast is not a SEO, SAS podcast without a feature, is, isn't it now? 
<laughs> so we spoke about earlier about how Google updated feature snippets. So Google are always updating their algorithms and how they're ranking. They're always updating that. Do you think that some people can get a bit hung up on that? And do you think that they should be taken as gospel or with a bit more of a, like, a, a grain of pinch of salt sort of thing? I think that the SEO industry, especially from what I've seen on Twitter, and not everybody, I think some people definitely know better from experience, but I do think that a lot of people blow things out of proportion when it comes to this. I mean, I'm not going to say that Google obviously hasn't done, you know, crazy core updates that have kind of changed things. I mean, Penguin, Rank Brain, things like that. Like, obviously that completely changes how you kind of have to go in and do stuff. But for the most part, especially recently, I think that there's been just a little bit of overhype as far as their updates. And I do think that they need to be taken with a grain of salt because not every business, especially with you get into, you know, news publications and things like that, or healthcare, just these really niche kind of industries, things are going to be completely different. Your audiences are going to be wanting different things. I mean, there's definitely a certain, I guess, kind of core understanding that you need to know of like, this is how Google does things. And this is kind of roughly what you should do. But as far as any actual changes to content or your website or anything like that, that's again, going to be kind of dependent on your industry. Uh, if there's anything like you have to do like by law or anything like that, your mm. audience and just kind of what you're trying to accomplish because not everyone is really trying to accomplish being on Google as well. That's always something that, you know, people don't kind of think of, but you don't have to be on Google to be successful. Obviously it helps, Mm. but sometimes your business can have a completely different objective. So it's just important to think of what you actually want your business to accomplish before you kind of dive into, okay, what changes do I need to make now that this update has happened? Because a lot of times you don't have to do anything. Mm. Uh, For example, the BERT update, all it is is Google better understanding the content that it is absorbing. You don't have to make any changes. You should just keep doing what is already kind of working. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And I suppose, I suppose people get scared um, about out, like updates and algorithm updates and, and things like that because, because some sites will like drastically lose traffic won't they or and I think that's where the scaremongering happens because when a when a big update or when something happens and it's big enough for chitter chatter in the SEO industry and everyone talks about oh how how much traffic have you lost or where how are your rankings and I think I think that conversation those sort of conversations sort of spike a bit of fear and that's when people are like oh I must be doing something wrong let me let me check and stuff and I mean as long as you're not doing anything really spammy or because at the end of the day google just wants to be showing the best content that it can that it can and i think it was john muller muller who said that so his advice so you know when the january core update came out 
Yes. He said that, okay, think of that as, so last year, think of it like um, top 10 movies of 2018, 2019 and 2020. So obviously in 2019, top movies are going to be very, very different to top movies in 2020 because more different movies have come out sort of thing. And John Mueller was trying to say the same of like Google. So after like a core update like they do in January it's had like a bit of time for like for more con for it to like index and come across more content so there's more opportunity there or there's more yeah there's basically your competitors are gonna if they've been working hard on their content strategy or and um, they've worked really hard on like getting really good videos out there do you know what I mean like when these updates come you you might like just because you were ranking before that was because that your content was good at the t- at that time it's just it's just been updated hasn't it and you've now got exactly. to find ways of bettering it yeah and i mean that's something that you should be doing anyways you should always be looking at how you can improve what you're providing yes. and if you do that regularly and do it well then Google will take notice and you won't have anything to worry about. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. So yes, cool. All right then. So two quick questions then, and then we will move on to the feature. What is your favorite SEO tool? So I would have to say um, it's SEMrush. And I, that's just because, well, first of all, it's definitely the tool that I have the most experience in. It's the first, it was the first tool that I ever worked with, uh, when I got into SEO, but beyond that, I think that it is so useful and easy to understand. I think that that's really important, especially because we're getting to the age where, SEO isn't just for SEOs anymore, right? Business owners, other people in marketing, things like that are kind of trying to at least understand SEO and do a little bit of research so that they can make little changes to help their websites. And I think both categories, professionals and very beginners are, it's just, it's such a good platform for both of them because you can accomplish so much. You can do just quick keyword research or anything to make sure that you are writing about the right content, things like that. But you can also dive in and do complete website audits and you can track keywords and you can look at backlinks and Mm. all this other stuff. And it's just so many things right in one platform that just makes it so easy to manage, especially like uh, for me um, in my agency work, I've worked for only small agencies. I've never worked for like the big wigs or anything. So when we have, you know, not a huge budget, but you know, 10, 15 clients that we have to do stuff for a platform like that is just so useful because we can keep everything in there, do just about everything we need to do and have this great information right at our fingertips. Awesome. So that's a big thumbs up to Sem Semrush. Yeah. <laughs> cool. As I said that then, I, c- I couldn't remember if, it, if you said SEMrush or Ahrefs then. I don't, my brain just went, you know, when you just have like a, your brain goes blank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, mo- moving on. Is there anything that you'd like to ask me? I guess, um, I think what's interesting is us being on different sides of the world. 
you guys have, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it always seems like, especially like in the UK and London and just all of those places, there are so many conferences <laughs> and here there's nothing <laughs> like I'm not even exaggerating I unless I travel you know halfway around the country there's nothing for me you know there's not really any SEO specific conferences so I'm curious as to what your favorite conference is or if you've like gone to any of the really big conferences I know there's like Brighton SEO well that like yes that. Brighton, Brighton SEO is my favorite because it was the first ever SEO conference that I went to when I was getting into this industry and I've just, and I've gone four, I think three, four, four or five times since just because it is an amazing conference and like, so on the actual day of Brighton SEO, they get some really interesting people to come and talk and I mean a couple of years ago they even had like John Mueller um they've had Rand Fishkin and yeah and they've they just get so many different types of people from different industries and they just have different viewpoints so I always whenever I go to a Brighton SEO I always come back with a notebook book like full of full of to-dos and actions that I need to try out myself and stuff and I also like the community around it as well like there's always sort of socials before the event and after the event because I because I think there's a lot of people who go to conferences and they're on their own for the first time so it can be a bit daunting so I love a social um especially if you can have a drink or two (laughs) because uh you can like relax a little bit yeah, no, that sounds awesome. And that's definitely one of those ones that I, I'm i hoping that I am able to go to at some point if I'm ever able to kind of travel abroad. It definitely has seemed like that's one of the big ones that I definitely need to attend at some point. I would, yes, I definitely recommend. And I think just because it's been around for so long, it's got a really, it's got a good reputation. So people want to be involved in it. And yeah, I, I would definitely 100% recommend Brighton SEO. And I think, was it last year that they had the Game of Thrones chair? I don't know if you're into Game of Thrones. Uh, I am not, but I mean, I I do know what the Thrones looks like, though. And if that's what they had, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they had on the main stage at the side, they had like the Game of Thrones throne um, and people were like there getting like selfies and photos on there. So they always have like a cool little gimmick thing. So, I mean, that's that's me picking your your awesome and knowledgeable brain about SEO. Are you are you ready for a bit of fun and are you ready for the feature? Sure, let's go. <laughs> so, have you heard of Cockney rhyming slang? No. Okay. So, Cockney rhyming slang is basically humorous slang that was first used by Cockneys in the East End of London. And yeah, it's just kind of stuck. So I believe this is in my notes. It was invented in London in the 1840s, so quite a while ago, by market traders and people that sell fruit and vegetables. So yeah, they Cockney rhyming slang is basically um, so you'd say rhyming slang and you'd actually mean something else. So 
for example, if someone was to say porky pies, they would mean lies. Does that make sense? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. So if someone was like, ah, oh, don't tell porky pies, it's ah, oh, don't tell lies. So right. yeah, it's yeah. So the feature is I've got the Cockney rhyme in slang and you need to tell me what it means. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got, it's multiple choice. So, okay. yeah, you've got a good chance. But how are you feeling? Nervous. <laughs> I already, I'm already not that great with American slang. So I'm sure I'm just going to butcher this. You never know. Cockney rhyming slang might be your, might be your thing. This could be your sort of specialist subject after today. There you go. <laughs> okay, we're going to start with a raspberry tart. Is a raspberry tart... A fart, a dart, or a cart? I'm going to say a fart. <laughs> yes, you got that right. Great. <laughs> okay, what am I talking about if I'm talking about a pig's ear? Is it a pear, deer, or a bear? Um, a pear? No. The, the answer I was looking for there was beer. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean that's the first one you've got wrong. The first one, so yes. Okay, if I was to say to you, loop the loop, am I talking about soup, a chicken coop, or poop? Oh my goodness, I have no idea. Um, loop the loop. Um, maybe a chicken coop like you do rounds around it unfortunately stevie i was looking for soup soup was the right answer i mean as i'm going through these they don't make any sense really (laughs) so what do london what do londoners know and i can say that because i'm not from london i'm from leicester which is the midlands okay so if i was to say dicky bird is that word curd or absurd absurd unfortunately not word that okay that definitely seems like it should not mean that (laughs) okay you might get this one what is a a darby kelly is a darby kelly telly your belly or something that's smelly i something that's smelly unfortunately i was looking for belly Well, I'm just at a loss now. I don't know what anything means. (laughs) Okay, last two ones. If I was to be talking about mince pies, am I referring to eyes, ties, or lies? That was lies, right? Or was that the other one? No, no. So the example from the very beginning, porky pies was lies. But okay, so... (laughs) What you what you saying out of eyes and ties? Eyes. Yes, that is the correct oh, okay. answer. <laughs> right, and then the last one, and then I won't be testing you any any longer, which I'm, I'm betting you're glad to hear. If I was to be talking about cat and mouse, am I talking about my spouse or my house? Oh my goodness neither of them seem like they should be correct <laughs> um what's your gut spouse. saying oh it needed to be house oh my goodness so 
let me let me total up your score here. So you've got one, two out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two out of seven. Right. So, so I feel. So unfortunately, <laughs> Cockney rhyming slang doesn't seem to be your thing. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> I mean, at least that could be something that you've learnt today. So next time you're at a dinner um a dinner gathering and you need something to talk about you could bring up cockney rhyming slang that's true good <laughs> conversation point because <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing everyone be thrilled by that when you start telling them <laughs> but yeah to be fair if you were to test me i probably wouldn't have got that many right <laughs> but yes well unfortunately that does bring us to the end of the podcast it's been such a good time. This was such a great conversation. I've, I had such a good time too. It's always, I love, that's one lovely thing about doing a podcast is getting to have awesome conversations with awesome people like you that like care and are nerdy about SEO. Do you know what I mean? It's good to get yes. into a good conversation about it. So I, I love, that's, yeah, that's one of the reasons why this podcast was born. <laughs> Uh, so yeah so so stevie if people want to sort of get in touch with you or want to like find out more about you or read more where where can they do that um so my main things are my website and my twitter so my website is uh, mymarketingsense.com and i try to post mm, every other week or at least once a month just a blog about just some marketing things that not necessarily only SEO, but definitely I try to have a wide variety, especially for people who are kind of just getting started and kind of need a very basic knowledge set. Uh, so they can find all of my blogs there. That's also how they can get a hold of me if they would like to work with me at all. Um, and then my Twitter is at my marketing sense as well. Um, and I post on there pretty regularly. I do Twitter chats, things like that. So I'm kind of very, I'm pretty active on both places. So if they want to get a hold of me or want to check stuff out, that's where they can find it. Awesome. And yes, and ourselves so if you want to get in touch with the podcast we are on twitter so we are seo underscore sas me and hannah are both on twitter so sarah mcduck and seo sas hannah you can find us on linkedin and if you want to drop us an email you can do that as well at hello at seo sas podcast.com if you're feeling very generous we would love it if you could leave us a review on your podcast playing platform of choice because obviously the more reviews and stars we get the more likely it is that other people are going to listen to us so yes i've had a very good time if you had a good time stevie absolutely it is always so much fun having conversations like this it's difficult to find people to kind of nerd out with so this was great <laughs> you know where we are <laughs> <laughs> so yes i suppose there's nothing left to do but say goodbye well thank you so much and if you ever need a guest again you know how to get a hold of me well <laughs> yes you i am sure in the in the near future you'll be on talking about something else and we can geek out together <laughs> awesome okay thank you so much no thank you